Welcome to Simply Financial with Paul Durso, your GPS to retirement. And I think, you know, the reality of, of a Bernie Madoff situation is he put himself in a place where he could do wrong. Mm-hmm. And you never want to find yourself as an investor investing with somebody that can harm you financially. Now, your host, Paul Durso. Well, welcome back to Simply Financial. I am your host, Paul Durso. We are here with the legendary, I'm not going to do it again, All but right. the legendary Charlie Bowers. Hello. How you doing? All right. Ready for a show? Let's do it. All right. So today we're going to be talking about social security myths. But before we get into the social security myths, I want to talk about the, the one New Year's resolution that you've kept the entire year. What is it? Not ever keeping a New Year's resolution. What? I told you before, I don't make New Year's resolutions. Oh, if I decide yeah. I need to do something, I want to lose weight, whatever it is, why not start why don't immediately? Why? I don't need some arbitrary time to start doing something like that. Yeah, but if it's worth it's, it's while, the beginning it's of the year. Doing. So sometimes you just want to start over. Okay. Or, or, or make the next year better than the last. I resolved that to typically happens. You're lying. No, I'm, I'm still with you. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution? None that I can recall. I probably have thought about it, but you then just, I said, no, why am I going to do that? can't do what everybody else does. Let's just flip it around, Paul. What New Year's resolution have you kept? Oh, plenty. I love setting goals. Of course, we have an goals. overachiever over here. I love setting goals. I Actually, not too, I, I, typically in every December, my wife and I will have a time or two going out to dinner or whatever. We typically try to do a, a couple dates a night or I wish a couple dates a month and we're out to dinner and I was like, all right, babe. I was like, we got to set some goals for, for next year. And she rolls her eyes and she's like, oh, we always have to do this. I'm like, well, here's the four areas. So just get your time, get, start thinking because I want to, and my, my, my deal this year is that I'm, they're sitting on my nightstand. So I typically write them down and I'll look at them every so often this year. They're sitting right on my nightstand. So she's like, I don't want to do it. And, and you I'm, make her go through at least four different areas to yeah. set resolutions. Yeah. Huh? Wow. Yeah. So I'm a big goal setter. Wow. Those, it's been proven. Those who set goals are more likely to accomplish them. And those who write them down are even more, higher percent. And those who actually write them down and look at them often are the ones that have the highest success level or highest chance of succeeding in all of those areas. So I don't want to set a ton but I definitely want to be methodical why about it. Why not? Why not set a hundred? So here, so here, that you can be so, successful. So in last all. year, last year I set out and I wanted to exercise at least a thousand miles mm-hmm. of. I wanted to run, walk, whatever, at least a thousand miles. That was my 2019 res one of one them of in my physical category. And, uh, and I, and I actually did, I did almost 1200, it was 1187 or something like that. So I was trying to get to that 1200 mark and I, it was just so stinking cold. I couldn't, I couldn't get there (laughs) at the end. Um, I was way ahead. I actually had a thousand miles, uh, into October. And then when the season changed the weather, I just, I hate the cold. So it just, I just didn't get there. I got to my thousand, but I didn't do anything. Weather-oriented goals. You know, this okay. is a terrible show. We spent three and a half minutes arguing. I'm sorry. I have to apologize for how bad this show is so far. So let's get into we'll go ahead and get the real, the real reason, reason why they would want to listen. It's Because it, we're going to talk about Social Security myths. So 
one of the things I want to say right out of the gate, if you're younger and you're listening to the show, don't tune out and go like, that'll never apply to me because some of the myths will apply to you. So the first one we want to talk about is that there is a perfect time to start collecting Social Security. Well, there may very well be if you have a crystal ball and know all of the details regarding the rest of your life. But that doesn't exist. Outside of that, well, I have my magic eight ball, but you know that's what I used to pick stocks with. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Sweet. But well, you know, you go to charliebowers.com and find out what he, <laughs> he, he wants to tell you about investing. But you know, most everyone, every couple that comes in here wonders about the right time to, to take their social security. And you remember up until just a couple of years back when they got rid of the aggressive strategies, you'd hear on the radio all the time, don't take a chance on losing out on lifetime social security benefits that, you know, the idea is we're going to help you maximize the entire amount of social security that you're going to collect over your lifetime. And, uh, does it make sense for everyone to, to delay thinking, all right, I'm going to live a long, long life. And sure, you can maximize the amount if you happen to know that you're going to live that long, well, statistically long time. stating the math behind it, it, the longer you wait to defer to take social security, mm -hmm. the more you're going to get depending on how long you live. If you live that long time. If. Yeah. That's the so if. I can tell you right out of the gate, if you defer to 70 and live to a hundred, you're going to make more money in social security. If all of those things happen. If those things happen. And you but, don't mind not spending. But my question to you is, when do you spend the most amount of money? Yep. Between 62 and 70? Between 70 and 80? Between 80 and 90? And we're not going to talk about spending money on healthcare. I'm just talking about spending money. Enjoying your, your life, yeah. Odds are you're going to spend and travel and be the most active between 60 and 70. So why would you not take Social Security in, between those years to defer it to potentially make more Social Security after. Because what's the consequences of deferring? Then you have to spend your own money. You're spending your own money. Correct. Yeah. So our kind of rule of thumb is you take Social Security when you retire. So if you retire at 62, 65, 70, take it. Yeah. If it. Now, if you retire and you've got severance or you retire and you've got a buyout, uh, a pay down, and there's revenue coming in, don't touch it. But if you're retiring and you're having to actually spend down some of your own money, the reality is you need to put a, a plan together like ASAP and in all likelihood, it's probably going to make some sort of sense mm -hmm. to take Social Security, although it will not be financially the best option depending on how long you live, but it might be the most prudent yeah. for, for purposes of income, cash flow when you retire. And, and the second thing is, you know, are you trying to maximize it or is there a, a fairly large age difference between you and your spouse and you happen to be a much higher earner and you're concerned that, okay, I want to maximize the spousal or the survivor benefit when I'm gone for my spouse. So there are reasons to take it later, to, to defer to later and reasons to take it early. And that's the one great thing I think about uh, with the Simplicity software is that you can put in these what if scenarios and see the consequences of taking now versus deferring to later. Yep. All right. Next up is the myth of social security is going to run out. Well, now, that's what we're always hearing, isn't it? Absolutely. What's the magical year? 2033. 2033. Is it still 2033 or is it 2034? I think it's 2033, but I haven't looked lately, but still that's not that far no. away from now. 13, it's right around the corner. Years. Yeah. And I guess, my big concern with that, and, and early on, I used to talk about that all the time. Mm. Solvency, solvency, solvency. It's going to run out. They're not going to have enough money. 
And then one client walks into my office not too long ago, a couple years ago or a year ago. He sits down. We start talking about social security. When's going to be the most appropriate time for him to take it? This whole myth. Right. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know what? You make a valid point. There, there probably is reason to be concerned about the running out of social security and, and the money in 2033. But when's the last time you actually heard anybody talking about welfare running out of money or mm -hmm. food stamp program running out of money or any other government program running out of money? Why is everybody so concerned about this one particular program running out of money? And that just got me thinking that there's, that's just a great question. It is. The reality is every governmental program pretty much broke. Yeah. It's not just social security, you know, the, the, our military. I mean, these are just monies that we're spending. Every president's going to spend a little bit more or less on every single program. Social security isn't kind of all by itself. The only reason why we talk about it is because it was always fully funded. Mm -hmm. And then they saw all that money and made some very bad decisions. The reality is no matter they have the money or they don't, they're not going to stop giving out the, the paycheck. It's just taxes. Could you imagine the president that's like, well, we're out of money. We're cutting your, we're cutting your paycheck by X percent. I mean, that's a one-term president mm -hmm. right there, right? There, I just can't see the reality of social security not paying. Now I will say this. I see a reality of social security changing. It's gotta change some. I see it coming back into our life where we can have some say. I can see a president doing that. I can see another president changing the complete structure of how social security is invested and how they collect money. And we've got generations coming up right now that there's huge amounts of, of populations that will fund back. Now I can see social, an extra social security. I mean, there's already an, an extra social security tax right now. I could see that going up. I could see a means testing. I could see all kinds of things that the government could, could, could Do you put think out there. The government will slowly or incrementally change social security or will they, they have been. make a major change at some point? Uh, yes. As you think about all the yes political lives on the line, who's going to be the Congress that says, all right, we're changing this in such a big way. With, well, with, I think 2028, 20, you know, right around the corner from this 2033, potentially. I mean, if the market goes up for another eight years, maybe it won't be such a big problem. But the reality is there, there may be an issue, a uh, continued issue that we have to face. And there will be Congress or, or the president, somebody that's going to tackle this and, and make an adjustment. There's been some attempts. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's been a lot of proposals, some actually pretty good proposals in the 80s that never came to fruition. But the reality is there will probably be a change. There's got to be to a social security. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So good, good time for a transition here. Let's play a little game. Let's uh, do it. Every single show, we love to play a game. We have this really fun little spinner wheel that I'm going to give a good spin to. We're going to see where this stops. And wherever this stops, we're going to, oh, man. We get to play a game. What would Bernie do? What would Bernie do? Bernie who? I don't know. Bernie, Bernie. Madoff, oh, right? Great. He's Father Bernie of the financial world. So, you know, Bernie ran this enormous Ponzi scheme, $4 million birthday parties for his wife, where all of the investors invested money with Bernie, and they gave it straight to Bernie, and Bernie's company would generate the reports, and 
you know, early on to get so many investors. They Bernie must have had some sort of draw that people trusted Bernie to to handle the money for him. So, can you explain why that is? Can I explain why what is? Why did people do that with Bernie? Just invest with Bernie. Well, first of all, they probably saw a lot of return or potential return. He, um, I was not part of it, so I don't know what was shown. But from what I understand, there was a lot of f- false numbers being thrown around of crazy rates of return that people mm-hmm. had seen or experienced and how much money they had doubled and tripled and what have you. So there's a little bit of false narrative on what was the reality. Secondly, why... Bernie was able to make away with the money that he did is that he held it. So when ABC investor came into his life and Bernie or in his company was like, here's what we can do for you. Here's, here's our minimums. Here's what we do. Oh, make the, if you decide to go forward, here's you make the check payable to. So the reality is all of these people were writing him checks. So it was to Bernie Madoff's company. He held the money, he invested it. And, and that's why a lot of things went south is because he put himself in a compromising situation where he can actually spend that money and bad things happened. Yep. And, and, you know, the thing is, surely people questioned, had questions about his enormous success, but no one dug too much deeper. And there's an author, Malcolm Gladwell's got a new book that talks a little bit about it. He writes a lot about human behavior, written the book Blink and What the Dog Saw and this. You know, he addresses briefly, how did Bernie get away with it? And he calls it a mismatch problem. And, and I can think mismatch. that mismatch that a lot of people think about that because he's got this sweep of white hair and he wears these sharp tailored suits and his secretive demeanor. It just fits the image of an investment genius. So people don't dig any deeper. Because uh, they think he's a success. Just look at him. He, he fits the picture. The picture's there. And, you know, we've talked about trust and 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 just looking at, something and saying, oh, that's, that's a good deal with nothing deeper behind it. So that's why we say understand who you're dealing with, what investments you're using. Um, just because something looks good on the surface, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, we've talked about that before. Yeah, because we don't, we don't wear those suits. No, no. You walk we, into we our about, office and we got like polo shirt or uh, <laughs> uh, polo, not polo brand, but like, um, co- like not even, I don't even know what do, you, what do you call polo, these? Sh- polo, uh, polo shirts? shirts? Yeah, yeah. Nike dry fit shirts, you know, they're, they're not athletic, but you know, they're, they're we're, we're kind of laid back in our office and I actually feel like it gives that laid back uh, well, environment for our client and, yeah. and more open and, you know, more approachable, I think than mm-hmm. a lot of wall street that talks big jargon, you know? And I, and I, and I think, you know, the reality of, of a birdie made off situation is he put himself in a place where he could do wrong mm-hmm. and you never want to find yourself as an investor investing with somebody that can harm you financially. And that's basically by who holds your money. So I, you can have any investment advisor in the world and never have to worry or not have to worry about them ripping you off as long as they don't hold the money. You wonder if he started out with that in mind or it just I bet you know ran me. away. You know, here in York County, I think about that with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Mm-hmm. You know, did they start out to do something no with way. it? No, yeah, I can't no, I that. think sometimes success and Fame, get the better of you. Yeah. Actually, my son and I talk a lot, or my sons and I talk about about LeBron James's son, uh, Bronny, and how mm-hmm. he's coming up, and they watch him all the time. And I'm like, I can't even imagine living under that pressure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for these investors, when they have that success, there's that pressure to 
continually find that opportunity and that success. And that's probably, I don't know. I don't know. Him. I'm never going to know him. But yeah. the reality is there's probably that sort of pressure to continue in, in the way that you've always had. So you can get more and more. There you go. And that led to disaster for him. Yep. All right. So let's go back to social security myth. The next myth we're going to, or the first two that we talked about was really the perfect time to collect social security. And the second one, is it going to run out? The last one we're going to talk about here is, is the decision about social security. Does it have anything to do with any other financial consideration? So when you're, when you're going to plan on how and when to take social security, do you have to take anything? And the myth is it's, it's, a, it's an isolated situation. Yeah, and you don't want to look at it as an isolated So it's choice. a myth. Totally so it is a myth. A myth. And we alluded to it earlier in that whose money do you want to be spending between 62 and 70 in, in you know, the years that you have the opportunity to turn your Social Security on? Planning is so important, and, and that includes all of your income streams because all of that's going to impact, you know, what's the opportune time to turn your social security on? You know, I started when I, when we first kind of putting this together and I was thinking through it, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm thinking, okay, what would be a good analogy? Now I don't know if this is going to be a good analogy. Uh-oh. This might fall flat on my, that's why I'm setting it up this way. But I started thinking about it and I was thinking back to when I was first married and I think not planning for social security, keeping not not addressing all other financial aspects of your life included in making the decision to when to take and how to take social security be like having no plan for your honeymoon. Like, could you, could you imagine like and your wife's like, all right, you know, cause a lot of husbands will keep it as a surprise. Right. And they'll find out the next day. Could you imagine if you kept it as a surprise and then that very next day we're like, well, where are we going to go? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I didn't plan it. I, don't know. I thought we'd go? figure it out. You know, it, it, they all go to get, ah, it, uh, my, my wife's calling my phone right now. It's almost Uh-oh. like she was thinking like, she's hearing gonna, you going to, going to yell, yell at me because of how bad our honeymoon was. <laughs> now we had an awesome honeymoon, but the reality is they all go together. Just like planning for your wedding and, and the importance of your honeymoon and every little detail that is there. It's all one thing. Although the honeymoon is after the wedding that the two go side and hand in hand, you, mm-hmm. you plan them together. And it's the same with social security. You can't just say, okay, here's what I'm going to do with social security. And then here's my other income for retirement or other planning. And social security is not a part of that. I think you all know it goes together, but it actually has to be planned together. It's not compartmentalized decisions. It's the decision of when I'm going to retire and how I'm going to take my my retirement income, what percentage of my retirement income is going to be social security? When am I going to take it? How am I going to take it? And all the other aspects feed the answer to, to, mm. to when you're going to take social security, um, the, the appropriate time you're going to retire. In last, last month when we had our Christmas party, um, one of our new advisors here was talking to a couple of our clients. And she went, she went over to her table and was, was talking to one of our clients that she had met in our lobby and really wanted to get to know him a little bit more. And she goes, you know, when we first met and started working with Insight Folios, we had a retirement date of X. And we've been now here working with you guys for about six, six years. And my husband is retiring, and this was back in December, in, in five days. Mm. And let me tell you, that's five years earlier than we first started planning. Plans, yeah. And it says, because of what you guys have done for us, we were able to retire five years early. Can you imagine that? Early. Yeah. 
And that was just awesome. But the reality is the plan that we had first set out had changed Mm -hmm. and his, his circumstances had changed. Our planning has, has always adapted, but that's why it's so important to keep it all together because life has a way of just changing. And if you don't have an adaptive plan, you might find yourself in a situation where you're like, how the heck did we get here? Yeah, a plan is not just a stake in the ground. No. Life happens. And, and it, neither it is a decision uprooted. for Social Security. You can't yep. say, well, I'm just going to take it at 70. Or I'm going to take it when they tell me I get my full Social Security at 66 in mm-hmm. six months. You know, the reality is there's so many other things that you have to take into consideration and you have to have a plan for that. And our system that we use is Simplicitry. It's a very simple planning tool that we use to monetize retirement, to figure out where all the income is going to come from. Social security is a very important aspect of that, but it is just that an aspect of the overall plan. Don't let it be your only income stream. That's the, no. the one warning about social security. Yeah. And some people fall into that category. So. so if you'd like to learn a little bit more about when and how, and if you don't have a plan yourself, just go to our website, uh, insightfolios.com. Again, that's insightfolios.com. Dot com, or you can give us a call at 704-529-9500. Again, that's 704-529-9500. Hopefully you pulled a little bit of, of knowledge out of this show. And there's a few nuggets in here that you could, uh, you can learn on how to best understand how to plan for social security. Thanks for listening today. Now for our fast talking fine print. The information presented is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax investment or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through Insight Folios, Inc., a SEC-registered investment advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is notice filed or is excluded or exempted from notice filing requirements. Insurance products and services are offered through Durso Capital Management Company. Insight Folios, Inc. and Durso Capital Management Company are affiliated companies and do not offer legal or tax advice. Paul Alderso and Charles B. Bowers Jr. are investment advisor representatives of Insight Folios, Inc. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.